welcome to the show. It's me, John Park. We are here for John Park's workshop. Uh, if that's not where you intended to be, then you got on the wrong flight. And I apologize for that. Uh, but we have a fun show in store. And by we, I mean me and Lars back there, maybe. Uh, cool project build I'm going to be doing today. I also have a pretty nifty CircuitPython Parsec to show. Uh, I'm glad to see Foamy guys in the chat because this pertains to Tim. Tim, Mr. Foamy, the foamiest of foamy guys. Uh, what else have we got going on? I'm going to show a little recap of a product pick of the week from earlier this week. Uh, if you're wondering who I'm talking to, well, I'm talking to all of the viewers, but also our Discord chat. Uh, and I can also keep an eye over on YouTube. But if you're in Twitch or Facebook or another place and you're wondering where the chat is, you might want to check out either the YouTube chat or our Discord, which is at adafru.it slash Discord, and you can head over to the live broadcast chat channel. That is uh, where it's happening. Uh, let's see, what else? I've got some delicious iced coffee. Mmm. I also have some water. <clears throat> it's hot here today. And uh, hello to Jim Hendrickson, Andy Calloway. Okay, you're on Steve, Paul Cutler, C. Grover. I see you all. Rich Sad over in our chat. Gary T. over in YouTube. Franklin, hello, and thanks for stopping by. Uh, let's see. What, what have we got? What's, what's happening first? Uh, I should mention we have our jobs board over at jobs.adafruit.com. You can go check that out if you are looking for work, if you're looking to hire someone. Wow, that window's super big. Let me make that a little slightly smaller. There we go. Uh, that's jobsadafruit.com. If you uh, sign in, just log in with your Adafruit login, you can go over to the available for hire section, look at resumes, people who are looking to get hired, also add yours to that if you want to if you want to throw your, uh, your info up there or post a job if you're looking to hire someone. It's all entirely free. So it's a, a really good place to find people or be found for uh, maker, hacker, engineer types of jobs. And that can be anything from contract positions, full-time, part-time, remote, on-site, and, uh, and everything in between. So that's at jobs.adafruit.com. Go check it out. Uh, let's see. Also, I mentioned, hi, Mike P. I mentioned, hey, Todd Bot, who says hello to everyone but John Park. My gosh, that's pointed. Uh, I bet you feel bad now. Oh, and hello to Justin. <laughs> He's covering all bases. Thanks, Toddbot. Uh, well, this right here, this little logo, this is, let me make it this big logo right here. That, uh, that's JP's product pick of the week. I've made it bigger than it really wants to be. Sorry, logo. Uh, that happens on Tuesdays at this same time, so 1 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesdays. Every week I show a new product pick or a product from our archive, our vast archive of products that are up in the Adafruit store. Do a little bit of a demo, go over some of the specifications, and you get a big, humongous discount during the show. There's no coupon code or anything like that. This show, or that show rather, is broadcast from inside the product page. Uh, and I do a little bit of a recap, and uh, you can check that out right now. It is the right angle Lux sensor, Vemmel 7700 with Stemma QT. This one has the sensor mounted parallel to the board instead of perpendicular to the board, which means you can fit this in some tiny little areas. Since this is mounted at this angle, I should be able to stick this inside of my little 
box here and you'll notice it's just peeking out right there. You can disable that LED by the way. So it's just peeking out there and we're getting just from my ambient lighting in the room about 35 lux. And as I put my hand over that, it gets pretty dark down to one. So you could use this for detecting objects, particularly for things like security things, puzzles, escape room stuff. I always like things like that, magic tricks. If you want to have it mounted fairly discreetly. The right angle Lux sensor with Stemma QT. Yes, that was it. That was the product pick of the week. So tune in again next week for something new. In fact, we have a double pick next week. Two sort of variations on one product are going to be both available. Two different, uh, two different PIDs, product IDs that will get the, uh, the treatment there. So tune in next Tuesday for that. Next up, let's uh, do a CircuitPython Parsec. How about? Let me get all set up for that. Here we go. All right, getting set up here. What I wanted to do on the CircuitPython Parsec today is start to introduce Vector I.O. Vector I.O. is a lightweight 2D shape generation library that works side by side with Display I.O. Now we can already create shapes using Display I.O., but these are designed to run faster, take up less memory, and they also are a little more efficient in that in the case of this circle, it really only refreshes the pixels where the circle are rather than a sort of rectangular bitmap of where the circle exists. This is brand spanking new stuff. If you've been tuning in to Foamy Guy's Deep Dives with Tim, he has been working on these as well as some interesting helpers that are, that are on the way or in progress. But for this basic example, what I wanted to show is how you do it. So I'm importing here the display IO library and then vector IO. I then set up the display and I'm setting up a couple of palettes and this is actually in, in a state of flux right now. So we'll be able to do this uh, differently pretty soon. But right now I'm setting up two palettes because I want to use two different colors. And then I'm setting up some coordinate space here using the screen's width and height. And I'm using that initially to set this circle uh, halfway across and a quarter of the way down the screen. Now I'm setting up a variable called ball rad. That's the ball radius. Right now it's set to 13. How about we update this? I'll make this a radius of 20. And then here's how I create it. Right now we have sort of three things we can use inside of vector IO. We have the circle, we have the rectangle, and we have a polygon. Today I'm just going to look at circle and rectangle. So for creating the circle, I do vector IO.circle, and then I tell it which color to use from this palette, the radius, and then an X and a Y position. Then I'm doing a similar thing to create a paddle, as if we're doing a little breakout type of game. And that's a rectangle, again, with a color, a width, a height, and an X and a Y position. I'm deriving those from the positions of the ball. Then if I append those to the main group of Display I.O. and hit Save here, it's going to refresh. And in a second, it's going to redraw. And now it's going to have this new larger radius. Now, to show that these actually run pretty nice and fast, what I'll do is update my code here so that I am using a little bit of code that Toddbot provided. And this is 
a sort of bouncing, a little bouncing ball algorithm that reverses or inverses the X and Y position whenever we reach one of the extents of the screen or the top of the paddle in this case. So you can see it's running really nice and fast. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of a shearing effect. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make the ball a little smaller right now. Uh, and this will give it a little better chance of running uh, quickly and without any kind of shearing that you'll be able to discern. Uh, actually, any shearing you're seeing is going to be based on the broadcast and not the, uh, not the screen itself. So this is running right here on a Feather RP2040 and the TFT Featherwing, but this should run on most of our boards and displays, including ones with built-in displays. Now, this is just a really, really preliminary look at how to create a couple of the primitive objects, and I'll be doing more with this in the coming weeks. But that is the basics of how you can use vector IO to create a circle and a rectangle inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Wow, wow. Uh, just checking the chat here and uh, yeah, there's uh, C. Grover says we need some donuts and arcs. That would be nice to get other primitive shapes. And I was also talking with Tim about uh, possibly adding transforms such as rotate and scale, which would be really helpful. Um, in fact, you may have seen, I was showing an example. I think I showed this, this other example. I'm going to open this up real quick. Uh, circus code three, sure. Let me open that up and resave that as code.py on the board here. Uh, this is one where I'm using some of the other features, and I'll, and I'll make a better demo for sort of the basis, basics of explaining these. But things like those flags are, uh, I've got those set up as polygons with three sets of points, and I have the uh, helper object that creates lines with, with varying thickness, and I'm using that for the string. And I'm also using the polygon um, uh, polygon object to create those little sort of trapezoids at the bottom that are like little bases. So the current method of, of creating those, if you take a look at my uh, arrays of points for the flags, for example, you can see here I've got flag one, and then I have three points, X, Y, and Z, uh, three points, and it fills the, the fourth um, edge for you, but it creates, creates the, the points and the edges and the shape. Um, these are difficult right now to come up with those points unless you're using some graph paper, or I used another piece of graphics software to create triangles, duplicate them, rotate them where I wanted to make that arc, and then I just transcribed the points or spat out the points from, from Rhino and Grasshopper. Um, but the idea would be it's kind of straightforward to make on a grid a, a uh, sort of normally oriented triangle, and then we'd like to use some pivot points and rotation calls to, to move those around the screen. So that's some stuff that Tim has been working on, and I think if you head over to the CircuitPython dev channel in our Discord, you'll see some example, uh, both graphics and code that Tim has been working on for those, which is nice. Um, let's see. All right, so that's, uh, that's the little extended version of what's going on there with our, uh, with our vector IO. So very excited about that. Uh, let's see, what is up next? So. 
I want to do a bit of a build today, a kit build. And this is, you may have seen this on Show and Tell. The, I'm gonna bring up my, let's see. Uh, oh, by the way, before I, before I move off of that, here is the read the docs about Vector.io. And so if you wanna get more info about that, you can head to either the library in GitHub uh, or into our read the docs and look it up. And that tells you the basics of the, uh, the circle, the rectangle, the polygon, as well as setting it up with the palettes. Uh, so you may have seen this telephone ringer that uh, Andrew of Make It Hacken has demonstrated on show and tell a couple of times. And the issue here is that a telephone, a standard telephone, uh, old fashioned standard telephone, has a couple of big bells and some magnetic coils like solenoids that are used to move a clapper to ring those bells. And the standard for that system is a pretty high voltage AC with a sine wave at 20 hertz to ring a US phone. So that is the standard. It's anywhere from 60 to about 105 volts AC, uh, 20 hertz sine wave is what makes that clapper move back and forth. So this is not something that you can easily create just by hooking up a battery or the pin out on a microcontroller if you want to use the original hardware. And so, uh, in fact, if you look at the ringing telephony page on Wikipedia, it'll talk about those stats. It'll also go into a little bit of info about the ringing generators that exist at the telephone stations, substations, uh, as well as magenta boxes that uh, phone freaks came up with in the 70s and 80s to ring phones for fun and maybe for, for, for uh, profit <laughs> and doing bad things as well, phone freaks being phone freaks, uh, as well as a really typical usage of a ring generator, which is theatrical production. So if it's something like uh, a stage show or you're trying to ring a bell on a, when you're shooting a video, doing, doing film or television, in order to ring a phone on command, you kind of need a box that does that. And if you look around, there are some commercial uh, versions of these things that are really geared particularly towards theatrical stuff, uh, to ring phones on stage at on command, maybe multiple phones, maybe different types of ringing, long ring, short ring, US ring, British ring. So there are, there are different um, uh, needs for ringing phones. And what Make It Hacken has come up with is a CircuitPython and Arduino and or, uh, or Arduino controllable uh, circuit board that uses a feather to control a motor driver through a voltage uh, boost converter. And so this is uh, the telephone ringer circuit board that Make It Hacken sent me. And this is a revision 1.2. There was a 1.1 that, that had a little issue with uh, lacking a ground, I think, for the, for the feather. Um, so he very kindly just sent me that one and I wanted to start putting this together today. Um, if you, let's see, if you take a look uh, here at this, uh, this is the Tindy page for Make It Hacken. If you just Google Make It Hacken, you'll find him on all the social media. He doesn't have it for sale quite yet. I think it's coming soon, but there are some other neat looking little DIY projects on there. 
But this is the GitHub page. So this is at github.com slash make it hacken slash telephone ringer. This goes over the little bill of materials that we have, as well as some schematics, some notes, and some code. So I have, uh, all I've done really is soldered some header pins onto a feather and put the, put the CircuitPython and the code and the libraries on there. The rest of it, we're going to go ahead and just build. So let's, uh, let's jump over here and get going. Uh, and what I'm going to try to do is put uh, my Discord page up on my iPad over here so that I can see what's going on in the chat as well as the, uh, the sort of build guide for the ringer. So uh, let's go back to, here we go. Uh, oh, sorry, Leon L-R-Y-T said, uh, thanks for making this broadcast early, but I have to go to sleep a little bit sooner or at the weekend. That won't be perfect. All right, goodbye. Thanks for, for stopping by, at least briefly. Uh, and you can always catch this in uh, replay. We, we immediately archive our shows and, and then play them back later. Okay, so what I've got set up here, uh, here's, here's our sort of bill of materials. So I have a feather. I have our uh, motor controller. This is the DRV8871. Zoom in a little bit here. And let me see if this light helps. This might be a little... You know what, I'll save that for when I'm soldering if we need it. Uh, so this is an H-Bridge motor controller, so this can send uh, essentially in, in two directions the sine wave that we need to control uh, the ringer. Normally this would be used to, to drive a motor forward or drive a DC motor backwards, but this is going to be used to generate that sine wave that rings the bells. Uh, I have a little piece of RJ11 telephone cord here in case I need to test something, uh, such as the... the pin out or the voltages that we're sending. And then the stuff that Make It Hacken sent, a cool sticker, thanks for that. Uh, this is a DC step up that'll take our, I believe, three-ish volts, 3.3 from the feather and uh, bump that up to the 40 to 60, I think, that we need to, to make this work. Uh, we'll see, I think there's a trimmer pot on there to, to tune that a bit. And then here's all the rest of the parts. So we've got a nice little OLED screen for different modes. There's some buttons and switches for, for uh, ringing and ringing in different modes and switching some, uh, some modes on and off, as well as some little status LEDs and a few resistors, and then the RJ11 jack to plug the phone in. So uh, that's what we're starting with. And what I'm gonna do, so this can be run off of uh, I believe it can be run off of the USB on the Feather, or it can be run from a battery. So I've been charging, actually it looks like it's just finished charging. I've been charging up one of our little 400 milliamp hour batteries that fits nicely under a Feather. And that's because this revision of, or actually both versions of, of the generator, yeah? Oh no, this revision, previous one didn't have that. This revision has a spot for a Feather wing, in case you want to do a side-by-side -side Feather wing with who knows what. but. To, uh, to allow for that, I'm using one of our batteries that can fit under either the feather or the, the feather wing there. So what I'm going to start with is I'm going to solder in some short feather headers. And I happen to have standard uh, fed, uh, header pins on here. Let me zoom in a bit. 
on the feather. So this won't go all the way flush, but it is enough space to fit that under there. Um, and so, in fact, to, to make my life a little easier with soldering that, I'm going to place the feather there. Uh, I'm going to get a soldering iron up and running here. I've got one of these little uh, USB-C ones here with this will read out, nice and fancy. Uh, and I also actually wanted to show a nice little uh, life hack here. I have one of these little caddies for the soldering iron holder and a spool of solder. And I have this nice solder uh, iron tip cleaner. Uh, I put a magnet inside the base and now it sticks to this nicely so it doesn't slide around when I'm wiping off the tip. So that's a little, um, little hack I just came up with. We'll see how that goes. So. Uh, so to start with, what I'll do is get those headers in place. If uh, anyone sees me doing something silly where you're like, wait, if you do that now, you'll never finish this later, tell me, because I haven't put this together before and I haven't thought it through too much. So it's always possible to put bigger parts in too soon and, and uh, make your life difficult. So uh, let's turn that little light on there. Okay. And let's get this started. I'll usually solder in the corner pins on these to get going. And then you can just double check that nothing is super wonky um, before you go soldering the rest of the pins in. So That looks good. My feather itself was in a little crooked, but it doesn't matter. The little feather headers are on there nicely. So I really love this, uh, this design. It's a cool, sort of puts it all on one level, one layer. Uh, and since the feather is small but super capable, it gives us a lot of um, room to work with, which is great. So I will not take a pause to clean flux off or anything because I want to try to make this build as quick as I can. If it seems like we're not going to get it done effectively in time, I will, uh, I will finish the thing offline and show you the results next time. But my hope is... If I'm not being delusional, my hope is, is that we can get this built and test it all in one show. I have hastily just bridged some points there. There we go. That looks good. Okay. So there we go, that's our first step. Uh, and next thing we'll do is uh, the driver controller, the motor driver controller. So this has um, header pins that connect it to the board and then it uses these little terminal blocks usually to connect things to them. Um, 
it's not really necessary in this case, but it is the design. I think uh, what what Andrew uh, has this set up as looking at the pictures is some small jumpers, jumper wires running from the board up into those uh, terminal blocks. I think you could also do it just with a straight wire shot down through there, but I'll, I'll do it this way because um, that does give us the opportunity to plug other stuff into that, at least for testing. Um, Franklin asks if I'm using lead-free solder. I'm not, actually. This is, this is uh, some leaded stuff, uh, I think. Yeah, 60-40 leaded. I do have uh, fresh air coming in from my AC. Sorry, I just realized this, this light is in the camera view, which isn't great. Let's take that like that. Uh, and I also have a small little fan drawing the solder fumes away. Uh, I will try not to lick my hands. I should probably not even be drinking this. But. Uh, let's see. Okay, so the first thing with the motor controller then is to connect the terminal out blocks and the header pins to that. So we'll start with these header pins. They are uh, four of them, and it came with a little strip of six. So I'm just going to snap off those and that can go in like that again you, you could use a um, header actually I think I will you can use a, uh, a strip of headers to connect that to the board non-permanently it keeps keeps everything uh, agile so what I'll do is take some somewhat janky cutters I've kind of dinged these up and I'll snip this right at a, the fifth position there, and then just trim off the extra plastic. And now this will give me a little four pin. Oh, <laughs> I didn't count right. Let's take one more off of there. So that'll give us a four position socket to mount like so. And then we'll be able to place this in like, like this. So uh, in a case like this, you can tape these down. You can use some uh, blue tack. You can use a rubber band. I like to often just hold it with my finger and then try to solder the first one in place with the, the solder like wrapped around a, a little um, holder. So let's, let's see. I'll, I'll use this one. So I'll take a... Uh, I have a magnetic base on this. Let me find something strong enough to hold it up. There we go. So I have a magnetic base and a little magnet holder, and I'm just going to hook my solder to that. Whoops. Everything falling over. Stay. So now I can have a free hand to hold uh, the board and the little header pin like that. Just under the camera a little more. Hey, Johnny Bergdahl, nice to see you. We are, if you're just joining us, putting together a telephone ring generator. This is a kit from Make It Hacken that uses a feather. And there you go. In this case, I can just get the first one uh, started on there, and then I can get this out of the way. I'll just snap off some of that solder and leave it connected to the uh, 
hobby hands holder there. So now I can place this back like so and solder the rest of that in place. By the way, if you're ever soldering stuff and you're wondering why one pin takes forever to heat up on your board, that's probably a ground plane. The ground plane will actually suck off a lot of heat. Okay, so now we have the socket in place for our motor driver. And now I'm gonna take the motor driver pins, motor driver and solder those into place. Again, this is a, a case of a, yeah, I think that's as close as I can get with that. Uh, this is a case of you need more hands than you have to, to do this sort of thing unless you prop things up somehow. Um, I'll look briefly and see, yeah, if I jam this little, uh, just a little wood block in here, I might get, get it to hold it level for a second. And now I can get at least one pin going. Uh, and by the way, the reason I brought that up about ground pin, if I'm trying to get one sort of dicey solder joint started, I will pick something other than the ground pin because that one's just gonna take more time often to heat up and to cool down uh, to set the solder. Okay, so that looks good and looks square enough. Uh, you could use the short feather header pins if you want to make this smaller. I often do with projects. If I'm trying to make them compact, this one I don't think needs to be all that particularly compact, so I'm using the standard size header pins. Yes, Bluetack, super helpful. Absolutely right. Um, hi, Liz. Nice to see you. Said I've never seen that technique for starting off a header, taking note. Uh, yeah. Share your techniques. Everyone comes up with, with ways to deal with these things. Okay, so it looks pretty good. And now I can solder the uh, terminal blocks into place. So these are gonna be up top. Uh, not a bad idea, by the way, before I did the show, I did a little bit of a dry fit of things to see, um, to try to predict any things that might be in the way of other things. I didn't, I didn't do it too thoroughly, but this RJ11 jack, that fits in wrong one. Oh, that's a vertical one. Does that one even go on here? That might be a bonus. Uh, here's the one we need. So this will go on right here. And so I just kind of want to make sure that one of those things isn't in the way of another. But since this is on a, a, a removable header, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty uh, straightforward to do it in any order. Um, but here's the case, you know, this header here, is there anything there that needed to be soldered that's tricky? That's going to be the uh, boost converter, which is going to go there, and that's just on four header pins. We could, again, do, uh, do some removable stuff. I might do that. It's not, you know, it's not as secure. Uh, it's, it's more secure to just solder things straight to the board, so uh, it's up to you if you want to 
use sockets for everything. Okay, so that that should work out fine there. You know what? I'm going to turn down this uh, AC speed of this fan. Yeah, that's fast. What about that? That's slow. There we go. Sorry about that. It's just running colder than it needs to. Um, okay, so let's do these little terminal blocks. Uh, they're a great candidate for some um, blue tack. If I can find where I put my blue tack, I think I was running low. Yeah, I put it somewhere smart. Did I put it in a drawer over here? Is it in one of my tape drawers? No. I have lost the blue tack. All right, that's no good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, something a lot of us probably do, which is just the holding it with one finger, using your pinkies to hold the solder. So I'm gonna hold it like this. Bend that down there. Try not to burn myself. This is a totally legit method, I promise. You do want to be careful you're not touching the top of that terminal block because that will get hot. Okay, that's good enough to hold it. Uh, and now, let me get a, a uh, yet another holdy thing. These are great. These are on a magnet. Um, and I have a steel part of my workbench there that I can connect to. You'll see that here. So I'm just gonna, I've got a little silicon rubber on the alligator clips there too, so it doesn't mar things up. Okay, so sorry, that's not gonna be in super great focus, but it'll be pretty quick just putting in terminal blocks. And let's grab the other one. Okay, same sort of thing. Uh, holding the solder and holding the, the block from underneath. All right, so that's done. Okay, so this is going to go in like that, and then the two, um, you can see this down here below, I think, i got to double check because I've got a, um, oh, spot of super glue, that's a good idea, Franklin. i got to check the, build from make it hack into C. I don't think there's another, yeah, I don't think there's another terminal block. So this is just some, some wire running up from the PCB up to these here. And again, by putting it on a socket, it makes it a little easier to solder some wires in of kind of the proper length. Um, he sent along a little piece of wire, might as well use that. And, oh, that's the PDF. Hold on, I want to open the PNG file. 
yeah, those are just wires running up from there. So what I'll do is I'll strip a little bit of wire. Oh, you know what? This is stranded. I think I'll use some solid core. That might be a little... Uh, although, now that I say that, the, the stranded will probably work better in this terminal. All right, so we'll do that. So I will actually put one of these in, being careful not to let the strands separate, and screw that into place. And then I'm just going to determine how long to make that. So to about there. So let's snip like that. And I'll take this off and I can cut some equal lengths of wire to that. And I think we just need three. Um, see if this is a good picture. I can't quite tell from there. I can check the PDF. For some reason, my iPad doesn't want to open that PDF. So uh, I will double check that. Might as well make four wires. I don't think that can hurt. If anyone wants to check that, GitHub, make it hack and telephone generator, let me know. And let's, I'm just going to test this length and this amount of insulation stripped to see. Yeah, that should work. I think that'll work. Okay. So I'm just going to make them all like that. I'm going to put them all into the terminal blocks. Then I can fit those in, hold them with this, and flip around to the other side to solder. there as I go. I used to know how to split my iPad view into two apps, and I don't know if they changed something or if I just forgot. But it would be nice to see Discord and my Safari at the same time. By the way, if you're concerned about frayed ends and... Uh, of stranded wire and your terminal blocks. I do like those little ferrules, those little wire ferrules that you can crimp that gives it something to squish down against, which is what the screw terminal wants to do. Um, those are nice. I used those on that other phone, one of those other phone projects. Okay, so now I'll just connect these. By the way, sometimes terminals come all screwed all the way down and you have to unscrew them to open it up enough to feed some wire into.
I suppose I could have gotten these even more precise by not stripping and making the cut exact until I put them into the terminal, but I think this is going to work out. It's pretty close. Okay, so now I'm going to feed these. I'm going to actually retwist them so they don't fray. And now I'll try to feed these into their relative holes in the PCB. There we go. Let's see if I can. There we go. Okay, so now I have a nice little connection to the board. Like I said, I don't think all of those were necessary, but I also suspect it'll be okay. Uh, Andy Cowley says, I hate the ones with those spring things inside. I never know where I'm supposed to put the wire above or below. I agree. Yeah, those are maddening. Okay, so these, I can tilt this a little bit so you can see what's going on. These right here, I'm going to solder. Uh, this little, by the way, this little soldering iron is neat. It does, however, have settings for cool down that I probably can adjust and never have. This thing even has like flashable firmware. Um, I think it's a STM32 or something running these. And 